Today's actually a really special morning. Um, we have a guest speaker today, and you are in for a treat. Pastor Chase Wiggins, his wife Rebecca, they're right here. Give him a big L shout out real quick. Pastor Chase and Rebecca, they pastor a ministry, FCC Encounters in San Jose, and uh, cool story. It really is. I mean, this is what I love about the church. We're not just for our church. We're for the church. And, and what God's doing uh, in the Bay Area, he's up to something. He really is. And uh, down south six years ago, about 15, 20 young adults started uh, a ministry. Pastor Chase headed it up. He started a ministry, uh, FCC Encounter. And six years later, they're running over 1,000 young adults. Everybody say 1,000. That's a lot, okay? Uh, that is what you call God on the move. He's changing lives. And, and so uh, me and Chase uh, um, started hanging out. Uh, our friendship started in September, right? September, yeah, we hit it off, man. I was like, who's that guy across the room? What's up? Um, and, uh, and then I went and actually uh, visited uh, what they're doing in San Jose. And it was just special. It was special. Got to hear him preach. And I was like, you need to come share your gift with our church. And, uh, and so you guys are going to so enjoy today. So can we give Chase Wiggins a big old warm Mission Church welcome. Man, it is so good to be with y'all. I'm not going to lie to you. I was getting pretty frustrated when Pastor Tyler was telling that story because I would have been like his wife jumping trying to get something. You know what I mean? I'm just 5'8", and uh, I'm masculine as well, Pastor Tyler. Don't do that to me. Anywho. No, I'm so excited to be in the presence of the Lord with you all. Uh, you, you guys have a beautiful spirit. This church is beautiful. And, and I think at times my wife and I uh, will go to different places with the expectation to give. Um, but it's in churches like this when we receive so much more than we're able to give to you all. And that's because of who you are. And I'm not going to lie to y'all. Uh, I, I just wanted to come visit. I texted Pastor Tyler because I, I love you, Pastor. He's so hood. I love him to death. I tell you, he's so hood. <laughs> he cracks me up. Oh, man. And... Uh, I texted him. I'm like, hey, I'm like, my wife and I, we just want to come to a service. We want to visit you guys and, and just go grab lunch after. And we got a date on the calendar a couple weeks ago. Then a week before, he's like, hey, I want you to speak. And I was like, no. I was like, I just want to come and, and see what's happening. Because whether you know it or not, um, though your church is only a year old, you have a reputation. And I think sometimes in the church, we can become casual about that, which is supernatural. And the fact that this church is only a year old and you guys have seen and are doing what you're currently doing is truly a work of God's grace. And, and I don't know if you know this, but every single one of us, if we claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, we're connected to somebody else's yes. Because somebody said yes, we get to say yes. And, and, and but Pastor Tyler and Pastor Rachel, what I, what I love about your pastors is uh, they came here on mission, which is interesting that your, your name is Mission Church because they came here on a mission to see revival take place in a region that desperately needs to see it. And, and I think sometimes, again, um, we don't fully understand the gift that we have in people. And, and, and so I, I think it would be appropriate, y'all, if you guys are thankful for your pastors, can we just take a moment and honor them and let them know that we love them? Can we just give them a hand? Or oh, y'all can do a little bit better than that. If you're thankful for Pastor Tyler and Pastor Rachel, can we just give honor where honor is due? We're grateful for y'all. <laughs> y'all can be seated. You guys are so awesome. Well, I was, I was praying about what to speak to you guys, and, and, uh, and, and I was driving here, and my wife and I, we were listening to worship because we're spiritual, and we were, uh, we were listening to Fred Hammond sing No Weapon. I almost started singing it. I don't know if y'all are ready for that, but um, we're listening to Fred Hammond um, sing No Weapon Formed Against You Shall Prosper, and, and I'm so 
excited that I get to share with your church so early in its existence. And the reason why I'm excited is because in, in five years, I'll get to say that I saw the beginning, that I got to sow into this place before it got to where God is taking it, because this church is destined for revival. And I'm so excited to share with y'all this morning, and I have expectation that God is going to do something beautiful. And so I'm just going to be sharing a few passage, passages with y'all, but before I do, I want to tell you a few things about me. Number one, I'm a hollerback preacher. If you don't know what that is, I was raised in Pentecostal roots, y'all. That's, that's, the, that's the cloth I came from, you know? People would play the tambourine from the pews. You know what I mean? Like, you'd be like, what's that? In the back, you just see an old lady at the front. Just, you know, I, I came from that type of church, and so if something's good, you can say amen, you can say preach, you can say mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. I remember I was preaching in a church in Los Angeles, California. One of my first sermons I preached, I was 18 years old. And as I was speaking, all of a sudden I felt this fan, like literally like this wind behind me. I was like, is that you, Holy Spirit? And the pastor's wife had a fan and was fanning me. And I turned and I kind of stopped. She's like, oh no, keep preaching, it's good. And I was like, okay. So if you have a fan, feel free to come on up and I'll play. <laughs> but no, I, I really do believe the church should be enjoyed and not endured. So I pray that you would enjoy the house of God with me. And, uh, and secondly, and most importantly, um, I told the Lord very, on, very, very early on that it didn't matter if I was preaching five people or 50,000, I was going to give everything. And so it might get a little bit loud, um, just a little bit. I just, just, it may get a little bit loud the next few moments that we share. I'm just passionate about Jesus. And uh, if this isn't good, Pastor Tyler will be here next week. And he can make up my loose ends. You know, it's, it's my custom when I'm with my young adults. It's our custom to stand for the reading of God's word. So would you mind standing for the reading of God's word if that's okay? I'm a little bit old school in that way. And we're going to be in the book of Genesis and Psalm. Genesis and Psalm. Also, I want to honor my beautiful wife in the front row. Hey, girl. We're coming up on one year in a week. One year, yeah. So if you need any advice on marriage, you come find us. We know everything. Okay, anyway, so... Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, we're going to go to the beginning. And it says this, reading out of the ESV, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And what I want to focus on is what God chose to create in. It wasn't an ideal circumstance, but he chose to create in a place that was without form, void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. Again, God chose to create in the earth that was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and yet the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Again, verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now I want to fast forward to Psalms 51, verses 10 through 11. Now to give you guys a little bit of context, this song was written after one of the greatest failures of King David. One of the greatest failures that he ever had. He committed adultery. He got a guy murdered. If you think God can't use you, he can. This was a man that was after God's own heart, and he had a great failure, and he wrote this song after he got found out. Psalms 51, verses 10 through 11. He says this. He uses the same word that was used in the book of Genesis. He says, create in me. A clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. It's interesting that, that Pastor uh, Tyler got up here and he was talking about expectation. And, and the title of my message is When Expectation is Misplaced. When expectation is misplaced, I think sometimes one of the most discouraging places we can be in our lives is when we have an expectation, which is a strong belief that something is going to happen in the future and then it does not happen. That could lead to doubt, that could lead to weariness, and that could even lead to unbelief. But sometimes what I want to pitch to y'all is that our expectation should not be in the changing of circumstances. 
because those will always change. But our expectation should be in the God who never changes. Again, I want to speak to y'all from the topic when expectation is misplaced. Will y'all pray with me? Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place and we thank you, God, that you are already here. I thank you for the truth of your word that says where two or three are gathered in your name, that you are in the midst, oh God. And in the same way that you are hovering over creation, ready, waiting to bring a word. I just believe, oh God, that you're hovering over this atmosphere, Holy Spirit, waiting to bring a word to someone's life that will forever change, transform and shape them into whom you created them to be. So God, I thank you that the grass wither and the flower fades, but God, your word shall never pass away. So let it come forth now with boldness, power, and authority and use me in Jesus' name. And God, I really do ask that you would bless the Oakland Raiders. And all God's people said, amen and amen. High five a couple of people as you're seated. I'll say amen to that. I'll tell you what, I'm high. We're, getting, we're getting all the athletes. We got Antonio Brown, Vontes Perfect. We're, send us the broken, Lord. Cool. Uh, like I said, I've been married for about a year. My wife is Latina. It just means she's spicy. That's just what it is. And uh, I don't know. Are there any, any single people in here? Any single people around here? Oh, a lot. Oh, any married folk in here? We got a lot of married folk. That's what's up. Hey, cool. Well, I'm going to tell you all, I've only been married for a year. And I didn't realize that when you get married, things get a lot more honest. I didn't know that. Like, like back in the day, my wife would tell me I smell good when I didn't, you know, and then we got married I'm, and I'd be like, oh, I smell. She's like, oh, you smell terrible. You know, things just kind of started changing after we got married. Your breast stinks. Whoa, baby, you love me. You chose me, you know, and, and, and I remember I went through this little trend where me and my wife, we were trying to be extra healthy and she was like, no, baby, don't touch chemicals. Stay away from chemicals. And so I started using coconut oil for my hair, coconut oil. You can cook with coconut oil. You can use it in your hair. You can actually put it in your mouth for 20 minutes. It'll make your breath not stink. I tried it. I only got through two minutes and I was like I'm not gonna keep coconut oil in my mouth for another 18 minutes now so we're just losing coconut oil for everything you know it was like have you guys seen my big fat Greek wedding it was the windex of our of our relationship oh you gotta cut coconut oil you know it's just what it was and so we were we were using coconut oil for everything and I, I was using it in my hair and one night uh we we got date night on the calendar and I was using it to kind of form my curls and and I got in the shower and we went out that night and and we had a great date night I'm talking about romance y'all it was beautiful and then we were driving around the city I was like girl I love you what it is you know who you married daddy let's get in so we're just cruising and living our best life Living our best life. No regrets. And suddenly, towards the end of the date night, my, my wife is like, oh, my gosh, it just, like, smells in here. And I'm like, I don't know what it is. What do you mean? And, and she, she's like, and she leans in, she smells. She's like, you stink. And I was like, girl. I was like, no, I don't. I smell good. Like, what you talking about? She's like, I don't know. And she leans in. She's like, oh, maybe it's not. You. I was like, it's not. It's the air, you know? So we, we keep driving. And then we, then we finally get to my house and uh, to our house, my house. Whoops. We get to our house. <laughs> Oh, forgive me, Lord. All right. We, we get to our house and we end up walking up to Sarah's. And, and again, my wife is so dramatic. She's like, oh my gosh. I'm like, what? What? And she's like, it, it has to be you. And so she starts like smelling me. And she's like, ah, oh, it's somewhere in this area. And then she finally smells my hair. And this is what my wife did. It made me so mad. She smelled my hair and she was like, oh. And I'm like, I was like, you gonna throw up, babe? Is it that bad? And so she's like, go shower. And so we, we go inside and, and I get in the shower and um, I, I take what I thought was shampoo, but that's a part of the story. And I put it in my hand. And I start to try to get this coconut oil out of my hair. Now, what's cool about marriage is that you can get in the shower with each other. Okay? That's just this thing. So she, she <laughs> hope that didn't offend anyone. So she opens up the shower and she's like, what are you using? And, and I thought I was using shampoo. And she looks, she's like, baby, this is body wash. And I was like, oh, 
I was like, I didn't know, boo-boo. She's like, this is, this is body wash. That's why you're not able fo to fully get the coconut oil out because th this is body wash. And I was like, unbelievable. So I used shampoo, my hair smelled better, and we had a great night. All that to say, have you guys ever, uh, have you guys ever put your hope in something uh, that you thought would take your problem away only to realize that the thing you were hoping in doesn't have the ability to take your problem away? Has anybody put their, their expectation in something that you thought would work only to realize that what you're putting your expectation in, in doesn't have the ability to fix you? You see, it's cute and it's funny when we talk about hair product. It's cute when we talk about shower gel and, and shampoo and all these different things. But I know for some of us, if we're being very real and very authentic this morning, that all of us can relate to putting our hope in something or maybe someone who you thought would fix you only to realize that your problem is still there after you use the very thing that you thought would fix you. I, I deal with young adults a lot and something I realize is that they put their hopes in relationships and then they get in a relationship for about a month and they're like, I am so messed up and this person doesn't have the ability to f f fulfill me. Some people put their hope in marriage only to realize that the problem with their marriage is that they're in their marriage and we put our hopes and our expectations in things that don't have the ability to fix us. We put our hopes and our expectations in money and affluence only to realize that we just need more after we got to the goal that we wanted. We need to attain more and we need to be come more and then and then we still realize that we're still empty and some of us put our hopes in vacation we're like you know what we need to do to fix this marriage and to fix our family we need to get on a plane and we need to go to Hawaii so we get on the plane and we fly to Hawaii and the family's fighting more than they ever have before and then we're on the beach overlooking the most beautiful scenery and the only issue is that you took Hawaii with you you're in Hawaii and and, and sometimes I become very discouraged in my life at times because I become very cognizant and very aware very quickly that even church can't fix my problem. And I'm serving and I'm tithing and yet I still feel like there is this void that is taking place within me, that there's something inside of me that, that, that is still dark and empty. And, and what I want to talk to y'all is about where your expectation is placed, because if our expectation isn't in the right place, we will begin to blame God for things that are actually not his fault. And we will begin to put things on God that are actually not his character. And what I love about Genesis chapter one, when we take a look at this passage is, is I really want us to understand the space that God chooses to create in. I don't know about you guys, but when I sit down and I, and, and I basically my work, I'll sit down every morning and, and I'll go to Starbucks very, very early in the morning. And I have to have a grande coffee with almond milk because, again, it's a healthy year. And, and uh, with my almond milk and a little bit of stevia. Thank you, Lord. And if it's a really good morning, like if I had a great week, we're going to have a grande caramel macchiato. You know what I'm saying? That's why I'm feeling really spiritual. And I I'll sit in kind of the same spot every morning. I'll put my AirPods in, technology, and I'll put on a worship instrumental. I'll take my laptop, I'll open it, my iPad and my journal, and then I'll begin to create. But every once in a while, someone comes and they interrupt my flow. They, they walk in and, they, and they're like, hey, Pastor Chase, and I'm like, I'm creating right now. And, 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 and sometimes what we feel as people is that we need ideal circumstances in order to create. And sometimes we'll take what's on us and we'll put it on God. And what I love about God in the very beginning of creation is that Moses, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, as he's getting this vision about creation, he wants the people of God who are going to read the first five books of the Bible, but primarily Genesis in the very beginning, to have this understanding that God does not need ideal circumstances in order to create. The place 
place that God chooses to create in is a place that is that is without vo- that is without form, void, and dark. That does not seem ideal. That does not seem like a central place for creation to take place. That does not seem like a place that God should begin to create something out of nothing. But what I love about the Lord is that he is hovering. The spirit of God is hovering over the midst of the waters and God is getting ready to create in circumstances that do not seem ideal. And even as I was praying for y'all, man, on Saturday, yesterday I was lifting you guys up. I just feel that what your church is called to do inside of Walnut Creek is not normal. You guys might come up against some formless situations, some situations that seem dark and some situations that seem empty, but I believe that if the word of God that comes forth from your mouth, that you will begin to see situations created that are not ideal in the most unchurched region in the United States of America. That is how our God works. He has the ability to create in places and spaces that don't seem like he can create. And that is our God. And even in the very beginning, it says that he began to create. Now, now that, that word create in the original language in the Hebrew, it's, it's the word barah. Look at your neighbor and say, what's good, barah? <laughs> that, that word in the original language is the word barah. Now, something we, we must understand uh, about this word is that th- this word means to shape, fashion, and mold, but only with God as the subject. So what that means, that word create is us understanding that God creates in a way that we don't have the ability to create in. Let me give you an example. Um, If I were to create a fire in here, what I would do, I I would get some wood and I'd I'd put it right here and I'd get some gasoline to make it more interesting. And then from there, I would get a match and I would strike that thing, throw it and all of a sudden, boom, we have ourselves fire. But, but, But the thing about God that I want us to understand is God says fire and everything the fire is shows up. God says stars and stars show up. God says light and everything that comes with light shows up. God has the ability to create through his word. And so we see for six days of creation, he's creating the land. He's creating the seas. He's creating the animals. He's creating the mountains. He's creating the plains. He's barawing, barawing, barawing through his word. He's molding, he's shaping, and he's fashioning all of his creation. But there would be a distinct difference in Genesis chapter 2 when And suddenly God would change the way that he created his image. See, what I want us to understand is that God spoke everything else into existence by his word, but he put his hands upon you. You are unlike the seas and the plains and the animals. You are the image of almighty God. And what God chose to do is he chose to take man and mold him out of the dust and the earth and breathe the breath of life that had the ability to create everything. And he imparted it into the lungs of Adam. He blew breath into Adam and then man became a living soul. You are different. You are different. And. Ah, And something I really want the children of God to understand probably more than ever before in my life is the fact that you have been made in the image of God. And sometimes what, what I do, if I could just be vulnerable, is sometimes I'll compare somebody else's image to my own. And what I'm doing when I do that is I'm diminishing the way that God has intrinsically created me to be all within myself. And we are called to celebrate people who are made in his image, but not compare ourselves to people who are made in his image. And I just feel prophetically that this is for somebody right now that nobody can do you like you. So do you. 
You have been made in the image of almighty God. So stop trying to be a cheap copyright of someone else when God has created you to be an amazing original. That is who you are in Jesus name. And so we see in the beginning that everything is in harmony. Everything is in motion. The earth is sinless and everything was created the way that God had created it to be. And God said, mm, it is good. The only thing he said wasn't good was for man to be alone. He created woman and he said, well, man, and Adam was creating relationship. They were being fruitful. They were multiplying and it was beautiful. But suddenly, um, the woman and the man would, would make a decision, and many of us probably know the story. Adam and Eve would be living in harmony. We don't really know how long, but what we do know is that they disobeyed God. A lot of people ask me, why did Adam and Eve make the decision to disobey the Lord? Why would God even give them the option to disobey the Lord? I believe it's simple. I believe that a love that is forced is not love at all. And what I love about God is that he will not force himself upon you because he's gentle and he's kind. And God did not create us to be robots, but he supernaturally gave us free will with him being sovereign at the same exact time. I don't know how they both work, but they do work at the very same time. And Adam and Eve chose to partake of something that they were never created to partake of. They, they took of the tree that gave them knowledge of good and evil. And the reason why some of us struggle so much in life is because we were never created as sons and daughters of God to have knowledge of evil. We weren't created to know evil. You weren't created to understand anxiety. Some of you, you weren't created to come from a divorced family. You weren't created to deal with lust. You weren't created to deal with sins that manifest themselves in many forms. As a matter of fact, you weren't even created to have knowledge of good. You were just created to live in perfection. Sometimes we focus on the evil, but sometimes you could do a good thing with evil intentions. Like we weren't created in the very beginning to have knowledge of good and evil. We were just created to live in inside of perfection but because of this decision sin came into the picture and fractured the earth theologically it became an inward disease that would affect outward expressions and suddenly because we don't have the ability to handle sin because we don't have the ability to carry our sins we start leaning towards the wrong thing we start leaning towards doing the wrong thing we start leaning towards walking away from God and I'll tell you what if we were to throw our top 10 sins on the screen and scroll through them. I know many of us would be very, very embarrassed. Why? Because sin is something that is inside every single one of us. And it's ugly and, and it sucks and it's difficult. And some of the thoughts that I have sometimes, I'm like, what is wrong with your boy? Some of the things that I think, let alone some of the things that I do, I find myself being like, what is wrong with me? And suddenly this place that was perfect, suddenly this place that was in harmony, suddenly this place that was in unity and one decision becomes ruptured by sin and it affects everything. It affects the animals. It affects the trees. It affects the mountains. It affects the plains. It affects the stars in the sky. All the earth was affected by this one decision, but even more so than that, the sons and daughters of God were affected suddenly to realize that none of us could measure up to the perfection of Almighty God. And the expectation becomes discouraged for all of humanity because 
It's difficult to have a strong belief that God wants to do something in and through us when the very things we want to do, the very things we don't want to do, we end up doing. The very thoughts we don't want to have, we end up having. The very actions that, that, that we don't want to take place, take place. Paul said it perfect. The very thing I want, the very thing I don't want to do, I do. The very thing I don't want to be, I, I, I become. I don't know if there's anybody who can relate to that where you've told yourself a hundred times that you would change only to realize that you can't change. And your church attendance can't change it. All your spirituality can't change it. And, and suddenly you find yourself living in failure. And rather than failure becoming a moment, it becomes an identity. And then we begin to feel formless. We begin to feel empty. We begin to feel void. We begin to feel dark. When I was at San Jose State University, um, I, I told God when I, when I was 18 years old, I gave him my life fully. Um, I have great parents who took me to church. Um, as long as I was in their house, you know, I was going to church. They're like, Chase, you can live here for a certain amount of time, but as long as you're here, baby boy, you're going to be in church. Like, this is our house. It was not a democracy. It was a dictatorship. That's just what it was. And <laughs> yeah, so good. That's, that's just what it was. And, and I found God. I found God, and, and the God of my parents became my God at 18, and I ended up going to San Jose State University uh, to play football, to end up transitioning into ministry. But what I want to talk about is, is, is something that's kind of a vulnerable subject, but I just want to be real. Um, uh, when I was in college my freshman year, I had a very strong addiction to pornography, a very strong addiction to pornography. And, and as I was struggling with that, y'all, I was in church. I was serving. I had a small group. But I was, I was raised in those churches, and I'm so thankful the Mission Church is not this kind of church, but I was raised in those churches where, 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 where I could be more real at the club than I could be in the house of God. Like, I felt more comfortable being honest with my friends than I did with my pastors. I, I, was, I was raised in, in churches where we had to appear perfect, and if we weren't perfect, and if we said that we were struggling with something that was legitimate and real, then, then we became separated and somewhat outcast. And because that was my church experience, that was my God experience. I had an improper viewing, and, and, and sometimes the, the problem with, with the church and the problem with people in the church is that we unintentionally can give people an improper introduction to God, so they think God is like you. And that's where things can get a little bit difficult, you know what I mean? And so I, I thought God viewed me very negatively, so I would be going to church, and I would be serving, and I had a small group. And what I kept thinking is I need to do, 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 rather than be, 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 be. Um, God isn't as much into what you're doing as he is into who you're becoming. And, and I thought that if I was doing more, then that would make me more spiritual. If I was serving more, then that would make me more holy. And all that stuff is great, but you can do it for the wrong reasons. And, and yet I was struggling with this addiction that was in dark. And then one night I finally got so overwhelmed that I'm like, I need to tell somebody. And his name was Pastor Dave Tish, amazing man of God. And I called him very late one night, expecting condemnation, expecting shame and expecting guilt. And then this beautiful thing began to happen. I was met with grace. I was met with love. And as that happened, something shifted in me where I moved past religion and I began to move into relationship. 
I, I, I move past rules and regulations and traditions and I begin to move into the power of intimacy. Through, through the confession of my mouth, well, through the confession of my mouth about the reality of the darkness that was within me, suddenly the light began to permeate and I began to realize in this moment of truth that God loved me the exact same way within my addiction as if in the same way in my addiction as he would if I was not in my addiction. Suddenly it began to dawn on me, church, that God loved me just as I was, but he loved me enough not to keep me where I was. And, and, and I don't know, sometimes in the church we can get it a little bit twisted and we can get it a little bit weird and then many years after this moment God would take me to Psalms 51 which is really where we talk about expectation more than anything this is really really where we hone in as a community and we begin to see David who is the man after God's own heart in his greatest moment of failure and what he says and what he writes but and more so what he worships to. This is his anthem. This is his song. This is his praise. This is his cry. This is his adoration to God. Psalms 51 and verse 10, he uses the same word that is used in the book of Genesis. He says create. The other word, barah. He says barah. Not outside of me. He doesn't say barah over the trees, the land, my circumstances, my 401ks, my money. <laughs> God love the 401ks. Come on. Financial planning, FPU. My wife and I are learning. All this amazing stuff. He says, no, 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 no. Don't create outside of me. That's not my expectation. He says, Barah in me. Don't barah outside of me. Barah in me. Sometimes my biggest frustration with God is I want him to barah outside of me before he barahs in me. And when you have good God barah in you, he then begins to barah through you. But the way salvation in God works is always from the inside out and not the outside in. Many of us, we want outside circumstances to change at the expense of God doing an inward change. But what makes David a king that is after God's own heart in his greatest moment of failure, in his greatest moment of embarrassment, in his greatest moment of poor leadership, y'all, this is the king over a nation. This is the king that at 13 years old, Samuel the prophet took the horn of oil and poured it upon his head and said, you are next in line. God is going to use you. God has called you for such a time as this. You have been chosen to do a mighty work in this land. This is the same David that walked out and killed Goliath. This is the same David that had women cheering when he was walking into the streets. He had slain his ten thousands. This is the same David that was a warrior and yet a poet. Ladies, get you a man that is a warrior and also a poet. Woman minute he's killing people the next minute he's on the heart this is David y'all David is a legend David in kids church is the man but David <laughs> David failed greatly and what you do in failure is directly connected to what you will do in success and he fails greatly. And what he does is he falls on his knees. 
And he begins to write, and it's as if he's, he's, it's as if he's remembering creation because he knows the Torah. And he said, you were able to burrow in the earth. You were able to burrow in places that were formless, empty, and dark. And now I admit by my own admission, I am formless, empty, and dark. And it is no longer on the outside, but it is on the inside. He says, create in me again, only with God as the subject, only with God as the subject. Only you can create something within me that is not there. Only you, oh God, can make that happen. Create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew the right spirit in me. Cast me not away from your presence. Oh, here it is. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Create in me. Create in me. Mission Church, is it our expectation this morning to have God create in us or outside of us? Did you walk in this morning? Just curious. I'm just asking the question. I get to show up and leave in about under just another service. Just asking. <laughs> Did you walk in this morning like God create outside? Oh, you're lovely. <laughs> create. <laughs> I, I think I hit her really hard with that point. You know, I just, you know, sometimes we all respond differently. Anyway. <laughs> but but truly. Did you walk in saying, God, create outside of me? Change my spouse. God, change my bank account. God, God, change my boss. You know what I realized? Is oftentimes, God will not change your circumstances because he sent your circumstances to change you. Uh, someone's like, God, change my circumstances. He's like, actually, I'm trying to change you and how you operate within your circumstances. And the only way, church, that we could truly experience the grace of God that is not only for the forgiveness of sins, but the grace of God that empowers us to be something that we cannot be within ourselves is by him creating things inside of us that are not currently there. And how does he do it? At your word. The word of God coming forth, worship team, you could come up and somebody can underscore and play the piano to make it more spiritual. It always helps us. <laughs> this is how every pastor closes. They make us sound better than we are. <laughs> Barah in me. Uh, Barah in me. And after you Barah in me, Barah through me. Mission Church, and in conclusion to this, this message, I, I just want to, I just want to encourage you greatly as someone who's on the outside looking in, that God wants to burrow through you as He begins to create in you, because you are the echo to the voice. You will begin to speak things over people and create things through your words within the dynamics of people's lives that can change, transform, and make them completely new. Because we, we can't just stop at Barah in me. We have to go into Barah through me.
Because as you begin to bra in me, then you'll use me to create things within other people only with you as the subject. Not for my glory, but for your glory alone. Now, what I want to talk about is the word. The word. In John chapter 1, John would, would, would have a great perspective on creation as David did and as Moses did who was writing Genesis. He would say, in the beginning was the word. Now, the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and then began to dwell amongst us. The word took on human form. The word took on human likeness and the word came from the heavens, wherever that is, and came across the galaxies and the cosmos down to where we are so that we might know how to live so that we would no longer have to wonder how we're created to live. We'll no longer have to wander and wonder how we were created to be, but we could simply look at the God man whose name is Jesus and have divine satisfaction and divine understanding that we can live the way that he lived and do what he did because the same power that raise them from the grave for those who are in Christ are a new creation the old is gone and the new has come and that power is now dwelling where in me and so if you claim to be a follower of Jesus I just want you to know whether you know it or not you got the power whether you're using it or not you got the power everywhere you go you are the church don't get it twisted. I've heard y'all have moved multiple times, so you definitely know the church is in the building. No. When Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn down the middle. The holies of holies was torn down the middle. Why? To let all of humanity know that anybody could just walk in this building whenever they want to. Because the building has now become a people. And David was prophesying to the reality of Jesus coming one day. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Barah in me. At your word, I'll be transformed and made new. And Jesus is the living word who we receive and we accept him into our hearts. And his Holy Spirit reveals the Son. And then we become the temple that's walking around into our works, into our homes. And everywhere you walk and everywhere you go, the power is within you. The barah is in you. And you'll know, you'll know when the barah is working through you, when you begin to talk like Jesus. When you begin to call things that are not as though they already are. When you begin to view situations that aren't ideal and you begin to speak out of your mouth what God has the ability to do and what God will do. So us as a community, us as pastors, leaders, servants, and volunteers, we can look at a city that is 96% unchurched. We can look at a region that is 96% 96% unchurched. We can look at the Bay Area and the Silicon Valley and beyond and we can say, oh, God's going to bring a revival here. Oh, I has not seen and ear has not heard it is not even entered into the hearts of man what it is not even entered into the hearts of man what God has in store for those who love him we can look at our marriage that might be difficult and you could speak it out of your mouth even when it's awkward you can say God has a hope and he has a future for you and me I've never seen the righteous forsaken to go without bread if God be for us then who can be against us when you're ex experiencing um anxiety you can begin to create something 
things in the atmosphere when you go to Philippians chapter 4 and you begin to read oh I'm not going to be anxious about anything because through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving I'm going to make my request to God and then the peace of God which transcends all understanding you said it oh God will guard my heart and guard my mind in Christ Jesus and when we find ourselves moving forward in faith we'll remember the words of Paul it's not that I've considered this it's not that I've considered all of this or I've arrived at my goal but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me brothers and sisters I do not consider myself yet to have obtained all this but this I do forgetting what is behind me and pressing on I press towards the mark for which God called me heavenward in Christ Jesus and when you begin to speak the word of God you take the graphe which is the written word which becomes the logos which is a revelation on your heart which turns into the rhema which is the revelation of the logos coming out of your mouth and I wonder what God wants to parah in right now I wonder what things God wants to create right now that aren't even in you what does the Holy Spirit want to do right now it says that he was hovering over the midst of the water waiting for the father to say let there be your body is 75% water and I just have a sense that he's just hovering waiting for the to come forth so that our spirits might be uplifted together is your expectation in God burrowing outside of you or is our prayer together as a community mission church